Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we uh, trust that you're with us this morning. God, that you have something to say. Um, you have something for our lives. God, I trust that this could even be a, a moment in, in uh, somebody's life here, uh, a turning point where you could make a great change in someone's life. Lord, I pray that we would all be receptive to hear from you. Um, God, I pray you just get me out of the way. Uh, say the things that you want to say. Uh, help us to hear the things you want us to hear. Um, bless our time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So the year was 1998. Uh, it was January. Uh, and I found myself alone in my dorm room in Atlanta, Georgia. I was a sophomore at Georgia Tech studying architecture. And uh, my life was not where I wanted it to be. Um, I'd come back from a Christmas break in Colorado, was waiting for classes to start, and I uh, was finding myself introspective about what God was doing in my life, um, and I was frankly disappointed with where I was. I found myself involved in a bad relationship uh, with a girl in Colorado. Um, we were uh, secretive. We were uh, borderline immoral in the things we were doing. Um, I knew it was not what God wanted me to do, but I, I couldn't get out of it. And, and really that was sort of the story of, of what I was going through, that I, I was trying to live life in a good way. I was trying to do good things, but I was failing miserably at being good. And at the same time, I felt like God couldn't love me because I couldn't do the good that I knew he wanted me to do. Um, I was alone in my dorm room that night because just that day I'd gone out with some other Christians and we'd uh, gone to share the gospel um, in the inner city projects of Atlanta. And I was an utter and dismal failure. Uh, I can't remember what I said. I, I was taken with the, the guy who was discipling me. We went up to a lady and... I tried to share the gospel and it was, um, think of the worst experience you've had sharing the gospel. It was worse than that. It was the worst. And here I was, I, I couldn't even do the simple thing. I, I couldn't succeed at doing good. I couldn't be spiritually mature. And I felt trapped and I sat there on my bed and I cried and said, what is going on in my life? And that's sort of my story, um, and I think we can all probably relate to that in some way. I'm sure there's some of you in here today who maybe feel trapped in your circumstances, maybe trapped in some bad decisions, maybe trapped in your hopelessness. Um, but I know the Bible has answers for us. And so as you recall, we're in the midst of this series talking about the miracles of Jesus that are found in the book of John. And so today we're going to take a look at the next miracle. Um, you'll see it, uh, John chapter 11. I'll just go ahead and read it. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who'd poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. 
When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. See, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you and yet you're going back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no life. After he'd said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. The disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Then on his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. And after she would said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more was deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he's been there four days. And Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. 
when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. So there's a lot in that passage that we could draw. You could probably spend months talking about different points. Um, We're going to draw out four spiritual conclusions from this passage today. Uh, The first spiritual conclusion is that God's timing is not our timing. So this might seem ridiculously simple to you. Uh, Greg, of course, God's timing is not our timing. But I want to ask, how are we doing with living like that's the truth? Um, Be honest with yourself. If you had your way 99% of the time, when would you get what you wanted? Right now. (laughs) That's right. Do you guys remember that old song by the band Queen? I want it all, I want it all, I want it all, and I want it now. Yeah, okay, so Queen kind of, my mind resides somewhere between like novel and really cheesy. But really, I think maybe they got it right that time. Like it just really describes us. I mean, think of how you would live without a cell phone. And how many times have you sat there with your phone and been like, ah, it's just not going fast enough. You know, it's like the signal's got to go up to space and back. Can you give it a minute? I mean, really. And don't we find ourselves treating God kind of the same way? Yo, God, I know. You know it. You know I want whatever. I want to be married or I want a new job or I want to plant a church or I want to whatever it is. And so what's the holdup, God? Why can't I have that now? Why can't we have it now? I mean, I have that attitude quite frequently. So we go back to the passage. You look at verses 5 and 6. And what does Jesus do? He knows that Lazarus is sick and he waits two more days. Two days? That was really the difference between life and death, right? So Jesus didn't show up in the time frame that Mary and Martha had laid out for him. See, they formulated their plan on what they knew. And there's something I tell my kids all the time, and that's God knows everything about everything. And so he even knows the stuff that we don't know. So in this case, he knew that the greatest glory would be not to just perform another healing. I shouldn't say just. It doesn't sound like it's just sort of pedestrian. No, it's just, just another healing. Right? It, it, it would have been great. But he said, hey, we can have a resurrection here. This will be really great. See, he also knew the best thing for Lazarus and his sisters would be that they would have a unique testimony to others. And he also knew that this story would stand up for time, for all of time, as a testament to his power. So, we can go back to my story. I was in that dorm room, and I was upset at God because I wanted to be more spiritually mature now, or already. So, have you heard that old adage that says, God answers prayer with yes or no or wait? Has anyone heard that? Yeah. Well, the older I get, the more I feel like God answers most prayers with wait. And I think it's because His timing is really perfect. And it is really based on perfect knowledge. So, the second spiritual conclusion I think we can draw from this passage is that no situation is too hopeless for God. 
So see, the sisters were already at the end of their rope when they sent word to Jesus. You know, Lazarus was so sick he was going to die. Right? They, they knew it was coming. They knew he was beyond medical help. And see, in verse 21, she says, If you had been here, Jesus, if you had been here... And the implication was that Jesus was really sort of their last best shot to see Lazarus healed. And when he didn't arrive, their hope was gone. I mean, what was going to be more extreme than death? And see, we treat, this, we treat God like this all the time. I think of uh, one of our pastors, Herschel Martindale, and he often sort of tells the story about bad things that happen. And at the end you say, let's pray about this. His phrase is, has it come to that? Has it come to that? Let's ask Jesus for healing. Has it come to that? I think it's a good reminder in this passage here that we should be calling on God at the beginning when things maybe start to go south on us, not at the end when we're hanging under that rope. And so maybe I'd ask you, what rope are you dangling from today? Maybe you've got a problem with drugs. Maybe you're addicted to alcohol. Maybe you're using pornography. Maybe you're involved in sexual immorality. Maybe you're afraid or cynical. Maybe you've been abused and you're suffering the effects of that. Maybe you've been abandoned in your life. Maybe you lost somebody you loved. Maybe you feel hopeless. Do you feel like God? you've asked God to rescue you time after time after time, only to find yourself stuck in the same place? feel like you're so tired you just can't bear to hope anymore? I want to tell you, friends, it's not too difficult for God to heal you and change you today. See, he came back and revived Lazarus after all those plans to save him had failed. After there seemed to be no more hope, you know, he can do the same thing for you, regardless of what it is that you're going through. So if you realize this and you really believe that he can help you, I think the next thing is for you to listen for God. And that's the third point we can pull out. And that's that God is calling for you to come out of your tomb. Now, I've got a picture here. I think we can pull it up. Uh, I hope you can see this. I had the privilege of going to Israel in the year 2000. Um, and this is a picture. I don't know if you can read it. It says, St. Lazarus' tomb. Um, they're not fairly confident that this was exactly Lazarus' tomb, but it's in Bethany. Um, it's been there since uh, the 3rd century A.D. for sure, known as the site of where Lazarus was raised from the dead. And that's my friend Craig standing there in front, and coming out of the tomb behind him is my mom, which is kind of cool. Um, but this tomb, it's a, it's a short doorway, maybe five feet tall, and you walk in, you think, oh, it's probably just like a cave. But it's this set of, I don't know, 50 to 100 steps that descends down into the earth, into the darkness. You know, if you were inside this tomb, you wouldn't just like, well, I'll just sort of push the stone out of the way and get out of here. You're down in the bowels of the earth. Um, It's dark, it's cold, um, it's not really a a wonderful place. And I think this physical example of the tomb can really hold serve as a metaphor in our lives as well. Um, You know, in my case, I was back at Georgia Tech. Uh, a failing to be righteous on my own had really trapped me in this dark cavern. I felt like I was hundreds of steps away from daylight. I was all alone. I was wondering what the purpose of life was. I was wondering if I could ever be good enough for God to love me. And see, I think what made it the most frustrating for me at that time was that I was a born-again Christian. And I'd seen what the light of day was like. 
And so I kind of knew exactly what it was that I was missing. And I think some of you, maybe you're in that situation right now. Um, you're trapped in that circumstance that we talked about, or you're trapped in the consequences of your choices. Maybe once upon a time you did have joy in Christ, but now you feel like you're groping about in darkness. Um, and there's some of you who've never known the daylight. Um, some of you here, maybe your life has been a tomb as long as you can remember. And that's probably because you've never met the God of the universe. Or you've never experienced a relationship with Him. You've never experienced the love that He has to offer you. And so your tomb is really that if you walk out the door today and you don't live until tomorrow, you don't know whether you'll spend eternity in heaven with God or not. And that has got to be a fearful and a dark place. And so friends, I'm here to tell you today that God is calling you to come out of that tomb. See, God is just not a passive participant in your salvation. He's not sitting in a cafe somewhere, sipping a latte, waiting for you to come by and say, Hey, can you give me some directions here? No, the scriptures really support this declaration. If you look at Acts chapter 17, verse 30, it says, In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. Let's talk about the ignorance of not knowing Him. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent. What's the meaning of all? All. Good. What's the Greek word for all? All. That's nice. That's good. See, He commands you, all people everywhere, to repent. You know, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Here I am. It's Jesus talking. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. See, God is not passive. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die for you. Not for us. For you. To take the punishment for your sins upon Him so that you, not us, you, could have a relationship with God while you live on this earth and for eternity with Him in heaven. You know, John chapter 3, verse 17, it says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. You know, I love that song we sang earlier. I grew up in a Baptist church, and so the old hymns, I really appreciate, appreciate that. It takes me back to my childhood. Um, that come now found um, one of those verses there. It says, Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. I think we can really take that to heart. That God is really looking for you. And he's knocking on that door. So let's go back to my story again. That night there I was, lying in my dorm bed, alone, very sad. I went to an event. After that I said, okay, I'm going to go. There's this thing going on. Campus Crusade is putting it on. And sure enough, there was a guy giving a, giving a message that night. Um, and sure enough, his message was kind of like this. He said, you know, we need to leave behind our past hurts and our sins and pass on to follow Christ. And it really spoke to me. And I felt like that was God's calling to me at that moment to come out of my tomb, come out of where I was, and follow him. And I think God is calling for you as well to come out of whatever tomb you find yourself in. And this calling really comes in the form of His Son, Jesus. And He's bringing you the opportunity to be free from this life of sin and from darkness. 
free from the entrapments of whatever bad choices you've made and whatever circumstances you find yourselves in. But see, there's more to God's calling than just hearing it. And that brings us to our fourth point, which is we must realize that spiritual resurrection requires personal choice and corporate assistance. So let's go back to that verse from Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. We're going to finish it. I, I stopped halfway and tricked you there. It says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Then it goes on. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. See, God just doesn't come charging in like Jack Bauer. He's running out of time. <laughs> yeah, that's not God. He stands and knocks. You know, can you imagine Jack Bauer? I think there's a terrorist in here somewhere knocking on the door. God and Jack Bauer are not the same, right? So I, I don't know about you guys. How many of you live in a home in a neighborhood where uh, unknown people come and knock on your door, particularly at the dinner hour? It seems to happen a lot, and I'm just getting so leery of it. I guess they're just not interested in any more subscriptions to the Denver Post <laughs> or another home security system or in supporting the local Democratic Party. I mean, does Denver even have a second party? They never come to my door. It's always the one. <laughs> I've been burned so many times and been sort of pulled out on my porch and roped into a 15-minute conversation that I'm just not interested in what people have to sell me. But I think sometimes you have to be careful because something great could come to the door. Just recently, a gal knocked on my door and I, maybe against my better judgment, I opened it. What do you want? I didn't say that, but that's how I felt in my heart. She said, hey, can I get up on your roof and look for hail damage? I'm like, sure, why not? Well, one thing led to another, led to another, and I ended up with a brand new roof. Jenny, if you'd seen my roof before, it was in really bad shape. So that was wonderful, and it was actually free. It cost me nothing. I got this wonderful roof for nothing. And it's all because I opened the door and listened to what this lady had to say. So I have to be careful. I could just sort of dismiss the knocking on the door and say, yeah, just another one of those salespeople. And maybe sometimes that's appropriate, but in this case, it was wonderful. It was a, it was a great experience for me. And I think... Uh, um, I think what we can kind of draw from that is that Jesus really requires a response from us. If you go back to the passage, um, to verses 25, 26, and 27, I'll read them again. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then is the point of of choice. Do you believe this? He says. It was her response. She says, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. See, Jesus didn't barge in there. He gave her the choice. He gave her the choice to answer the door and to listen. Um, and I think he, we can look later in the passage at verse 44, and he does the same thing for Lazarus, right? Does Lazarus come out? So did Lazarus have to come out? I don't know. We could probably debate that. I guess if he'd stayed there, he would have died again from dehydration and starvation. Um, See, he came out. And it's kind of a silly notion, but I think the illustration really rings true. If God has given you a way out of your tomb, why won't you take it? 
See, God's not one to force relationship on any of us. But like Lazarus, we ultimately have a choice as to whether we'll respond to his help or not. We can see this all over the New Testament. John chapter 1, verse 22, it says, all to, to Yet to all who received him. There's an action there, receive. And John 3.16, whoever believes in him. See, there's an action. Belief just doesn't happen. You have to make a choice. So, if you haven't made that choice, let me give you the inside scoop. If you don't know, that knocking on the door, I don't really know. I'll let you know, kind of like I could let you know if that roofer comes by and knocks on your door. You know, it's worth it to respond to God's knocking on your heart. Please do. And now I want to, I want to give a little aside here. Um, if you go back to verse 44, the very last verse we read, Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. He said to them. So this wasn't a command to Lazarus. Take off your grave clothes and go. No, he said it to the people who were standing around him. It was a command to help. Hey, help this guy. He's wrapped up in some weird, stinky rags. You know, get him off of the guy. And so I want to say to you, church, we're in a dying, backwards, mixed-up world. And Jesus has commanded us to help each other as we come out of our tombs. On the other hand, I want to say to you, if you feel like you're in your tomb, as you heed Jesus' call, and I hope you do, please heed His call to come out of the tomb. I encourage you to seek out corporate assistance from spiritually mature people. You know, God's given you Jesus, and He's given you the Bible, and that's a guide for you, but He's also given you people who maybe have come out of a tomb similar to yours. And some of them are sitting right here in this room with you. You know, at the firehouse, we are here to help you. This is a safe place you can talk about your life. We're glad to talk with you about your faith and your struggles, and we promise to give you a hand as best we can. Um, and so that's my little aside about corporate assistance. So let's go back to my story. And I am at a Campus Crusade meeting in Atlanta, 1998. And so I hear the message about leaving behind their past hurts and sins. And I decided to respond. I decided to take God's freedom to heart. And so as we prayed at the end of the time, I got down on my knees on the floor before God and I surrendered my sins and my inadequacies to Him. See, the the guy who spoke gave this illustration about um, the explorer Cortez. And he came to the new world to conquer it. But he wanted to make sure that his men were committed. And so after they landed and they faced this new world, he told them, turn around and burn your ships. And that was what the guy talked about that night. He said, take your sins, take your past, take your hers, and burn it. Leave it behind so that there's no going back. And that really spoke into my life. Um, And so I responded to the message of hope. I responded to the message of forgiveness again. You know, if you've received that message, you can receive it again. You can be forgiven. You can continue to be forgiven. God's forgiveness is good for all time for you. And so after that point, I began sort of what was a slow journey of beginning to link arms with other believers. And I sought out assistance from God's church. You know, it wasn't easy. It's still certainly full of bumps as I go down that path. But that day, my journey began out of my tomb. I took God's freedom to heart. And I begin to have wonderful opportunities to grow in my spiritual life in so many ways. I've been able to go on mission trips. I've been able to plant churches. 
come to realize that God's love for me is unchanging regardless of what I do. So I gave up. I've given up trying to be good enough to please God. And I can choose the righteousness within my freedom that He's given me in the relationship with Him. You know, I was also able to surrender my relationships. You know, I, I burned the bridge to that relationship I had that was leading me down the wrong path. When God blessed that, He soon brought an old friend back into my life and I've been married to her now for over 10 years. You know, and I I think back to how humiliating it was to try to share my faith in the projects that day. But I feel like God's really made me more comfortable sharing my faith and my story. He's really impressed on me an urgency to get that message out there. You know, I didn't just figure out that urgency I just didn't want to share my faith more like God's given that to me and that's how God's brought me up out of that tomb out of those steps that were deep in the earth and I want to say to you if he can do it for me he can do it for you so is that same way some 13 years ago I'm going to pray now as we close this time Heavenly Father thank you for giving us the opportunity to experience spiritual resurrection. We know we can't control the timing of events in our life, but we know you are in complete and absolute control. Know that you know everything there is to know about everything. And God, I trust you in this. Lord, we know that nothing is too hopeless for you, confess that sometimes we should come to you first not at the point we're drowning in the problems God we know you can help us whatever our situation and we hear your voice calling to us God your son your word they speak to us in our tombs saying come out we see that you want to help us be free from the chains of sin and death just as you freed Lazarus and Bethany so long ago. God, help us as a church to lean upon each other for corporate assistance in moving forward. And now as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want you to consider the tomb that you might find yourself in today. Like we said, it might be circumstances or choices that have hindered you in your ongoing relationship with God. Maybe you've heard the gospel and you know about the good news of salvation and freedom through Christ, but you've never responded to it. You've never received it. Like Martha, maybe it's time for you to say, I believe. So I encourage you, get on your knees, maybe in your heart, the same way that I did so many years ago. Confess your sin to God. Accept the free gift of eternal life by naming Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Say, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. If you do that, you can have new life. And you can come out of the tomb of sin and darkness into the freedom of Jesus. God, we do love you. God, and we respond to your word and to your calling in our lives. God, we repeat to you the words from Come Now Found. It says, here's my heart. Oh, take it, seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Thank you for coming this morning to the firehouse. Um, I'm glad you're here. Um, if uh, you'd like to talk to me or to one of the pastors or someone you came with or someone you met this morning about uh, maybe what God's doing in your life, we'd love to hear it. Um, otherwise, we will um, hope to see you at small group on Wednesday night. Um, we're back here next week for prayer at 8.45 and church at 10 o'clock. Um, if you're new with us, we would greatly appreciate it if you would fill out one of those communication cards and drop it in the box in the back or hand it to somebody you know. So... Thank you very much. Have a good day.